Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Hello, everyone. This is a bit of a tricky weekly watch because we're recording it right before the U.S. employment report, which is being closely watched by markets to gauge if the U.S. labor market still faces supply issues due to the reopening or if we're going to be off to the races again with a strong number. Generalizing greatly, if it's the former, perhaps we can delay talking about the Fed tapering for a few more weeks. But if it's strong, then the conversation about the Fed may come back to the fore, especially as we look forward to this coming week and what's going to be a very important CPI report. As a reminder, it was the last CPI report that being much stronger than expected, um, not only further fueled taper talk in the marketplace, but also, in my view, caused the Fed to start talking in a much more balanced way, something we've discussed in the last few weeks. So this upcoming CPI report in the U.S. is going to be key for the near-term outlook, especially as that leads into a Fed meeting the week after. Meanwhile, in the U.K., we've also seen some recent communication that the market has viewed as hawkish, with the Bank of England's Liga refraining from pushing back against the recent rise in gilt yields, which also boosted sterling, instead seeing that recent rise in both as a sign of economic optimism. To be true, both the Fed and the Bank of England are a microcosm which turned out to be increasingly hawkish uh, central banks in much of the Anglo-economic world. The US, UK, Canada, and even New Zealand, perhaps Australia is the current exception, but all of these are turning out to be a little bit more hawkish. Now I say hawkish, but really they're just kind of less dovish on a very, you know, dovish scale of central banking. But at this stage, you know, as we've talked about, small shifts, even in, you know, going from super dovish to a little bit dovish um, are causing market reactions. Now, this all stands in great contrast to the ECB still, which we see this coming week as remaining dovish at their meeting with a very extended period, not just of QE ahead, but a low rates. Indeed, we feel the market is actually pricing a little bit too much in the front end uh, of the rate market there in the way of potential ECB hikes down the road, even as we remain very optimistic on the growth outlook. It's simply the case that Europe just remains a little bit behind the U.S. and the U.K. in the, in the economic and the inflationary and the reopening cycle. So given, as I said, this recording is kind of wedged between the employment report and before the ECB and the U.S. inflation data in this coming week, I was actually wanted to use this time to talk to Paul Robson, our co-head of G10 Currency Strategy, to focus on a little bit of what I just kind of talked about. So two, two questions, one near-term and long-term, Paul. There's a lot of noise in the near-term data. We're going to have a lot of important data coming up. Um, but even if we get some rising concerns about the Fed, let's say we've got a couple of strong data prints and, you know, we, we start to kind of ramp up that taper talk or, you know, again, moving from super dovish to less dovish. Um, and we talk about the Fed potentially moving up their timing. Do you actually think that that causes a major shift in our dollar views or is the, or is the backdrop just still, um, you know, enough of have enough momentum that we kind of continue to have be optimistic in a lot of fronts. Yeah, we, we don't think that that sort of policy inflection point, the initial one from the Fed uh, turns the dollar uh, immediately. As the, the policy tightening cycle sort of evolves, then of course it's going to play really quite positive for the dollar. But initially we don't think it, it does. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think the first one is just simply Think about why you're getting that inflection point in Fed policy. It's because you've got a strong U.S. economy. It's, it's um, domestic demand rather than sort of global growth driving it. And we think that that's just going to weigh on the external balance, the current account um, balance in the States, a wider deficit. And it's not obvious to us that given 
sort of fundamentals of uh, financial assets that there's going to be enough portfolio flows to offset that trade deterioration. So, you know, for example, equities look richly valued uh, at the moment. You might get some kind of rotation out of tech into other uh, sectors of the equity market, but maybe not um, sort of support flows into the US uh, as previously. And of course, you've got other economies that are doing pretty well at the same time. So the commodity producers are seeing you know, stronger growth. You have central banks um, tweaking their, their guidance very much as you've uh, said. And so I think investors will seek to move their portfolio flows uh, away from the dollar, despite that, that strong uh, growth in the states that's ultimately leading to that initial policy inflection point. Um, the other point I'd make is just thinking about, you know, previous episodes of a change in Fed policy and what that did for the, the dollar. So a couple of um, episodes in the recent past, 2013 or 17 and 18. Now, when we think about 13, that was the, the, um, the tapered tantrum. QE was new. We'd never really had a, a quantitative easing program, let alone um, an excess, and of course we saw lots of volatility. Uh, rather, we think the sort of 2017, 2018 uh, episodes are, are more appropriate here. Now, 2017, the Fed started to think about sort of tightening. The US economy was relatively strong, but so was the world. Remember, this was a time when you had um, stimulus from China. You had political risk in Europe receding around the French presidential election. So the dollar continued to go down. And it wasn't until 2018 when you had that period of US exceptionalism, the rest of the world slowed, China stimulus faded, that initial boost to European growth faded, but the US was out on its own with a tightening Fed. And that's the more dollar positive uh, environment. And the moment, are we in the sort of 2018? Not really. It's more 2017 because of global growth is strong. It's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, when it comes to the kind of the, the rate cycle, too, we also think that that 2017 period is something that we're in now. So uh, that all lines up. So thinking longer term, you know, I, I was referenced that central banks sequencing at different speeds and different and different times, despite the fact we do have, you know, this global growth momentum that is fairly concerted. But, you know, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be raising rates at exactly the same time or pace. So as we look ahead, you know, we're talking a lot about tapering right now. And, you know, the, the these Anglo, especially the Anglo economy, central banks are starting to think about, you know, or, or look into next years for potential rate hikes. When do you think that, you know, relative currency valuations will start to focus on, you know, not just like talking about tapering or, you know, the, the economic recovery and the pace of the recovery, which you're doing now, but, you know, um, on the different speed and sequencing for rate hikes. Well, I think you're actually seeing it uh, now. We think it's the theme that's going to build through the, the year. I think by the time we get to the end of the year, it will be the, the dominant focus for currency markets. So there'll also be a focus on whether the uh, fiscal easing that we've seen because of the pandemic uh, ultimately exhaust, but um, it's certainly going to be a theme that uh, builds. But uh, right now, you, you've had some examples of central banks uh, tweaking their, their guidance, so a little bit more of a focus on that in crucial first rate hike, and the currencies have, have moved. So up to this point, up you know, the last 18 months or so, uh, our core framework for looking at global currencies has been one of relative growth. 
coming out of the, the pandemic? The, who are the winners, if there are anyone that can be called a winner in, in this global pandemic? But the, the laggards, the, the countries that have been the biggest losers, you've seen it play out in euro dollar as European growth lagged the, the US and euro dollar gains um, started to, to fade somewhat. You've seen it in the UK, uh, a good vaccination program, growth expectations strengthen, uh, sterling uh, recovers. And of course, you've seen it in commodity prices, terms of trade, um, as um, a, a recovering global economy supports uh, commodity prices. But now I think the market is going to be increasingly focused on the exit of very accommodative monetary policy. And countries and central banks will go at different speeds in this. And it may well be that the, the, the pressure on the Fed is greatest because they once they start on the, the process of preparing markets for tightening, it's very hard to deviate from, from that. Um, if you're a smaller central bank, of course, you can you can start, you can pause, you can um, change the, um, the, the pace. So central banks will go at different uh, speeds. And so what we'll be doing is paying much more attention on, say, five year rates, because, you know, initially, because that rate hike cycle, hiking cycle is still, you know, it's a sort of end 2022 sort of story into 2023. But the five year rates will move and they are correlated to uh, currencies over time. We'll be focusing more on uh, two um, two year and um, two year yields. So, if we just take some examples, you mentioned them: uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, um, just getting the market to refocus on the fact that um, interest rates in New Zealand might start rising at the end of next year ahead of the Fed. You know, and also thinking about when do you think the ECB might start to to tighten much further than that. Uh, the Bank of England, uh, you you referenced there. Again, the end of next year, not a lot different from the monetary policy report, but again, just reminding uh, markets this matters. Uh, and the uh, Kiwi sterling has reacted. You had a you know, taper from uh, the Bank of Canada a few months back in the Canadian dollar uh, reacted. So um, it's starting now. Uh, it will build and it will be the dominant theme uh, next year. Excellent. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate you joining us for that. And everybody, like I said, we'll see what happens with this employment report and we'll have more for you next week. Thanks for joining. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.